0: Fanboy nation This is your pal Daffy Duck, and
1: you're watching, you're watching, mm, we're watching, you're watching Fanboy, 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 A Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. God I assume Tom. <laughs> Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with a woman who not only wrote, produced, and directed this documentary, but is a fascinating human being who, in our pre-interview, was so full of enthusiasm, I wish we had recorded the original conversation, uh, the director of Wild Days, Phyllis Stewart. How are you today?
0: Well, good. And um, i, I trained first, to... so I do take two. All right. Don't worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're just take playing two. it up, I see.
0: To say it's less caffeine in my system. I got it all out in the first interview. It's going to be a little more measured than calm.
1: Perfect. Well, you have a fantastic documentary that's coming out that initially appeared to be only caring about uh, the elephants in Africa, but really tying together the ecosystem and the use of what it's needed. You have Keith David who I, i've interviewed in the past as well uh who's fun huh oh he's he's great you know but like
0: he, he just did a little video for us yesterday oh did he it up on vimeo <laughs> he's like watch this film it's important right beautiful voice i just love him
1: which is hilarious because keith is so so calm and collected that like even in the interview you're like come on like can i get a rise out of this guy but no we're not trying to get a rise out of keith david we just oh know. no he
0: a, he's a Leo. He, you can get a ride out of here. Right. You can. You You got to bring it first, and right. then hit that like playfulness, and he'll he'll come out and play. He's <laughs> a sweetheart.
1: It, well, he's, well, he was great, you know, and uh, I think we talked a little bit about they live when he did that movie and everything. Uh,
0: well, I want to tell you he he helped me when I first started my <laughs> conservation project. I, I he did a PSA gratis for us, and I got this. I got this company called NCM, which is this large company in Denver that gets all the ads into the major theater chain. So you're in the lobby of whatever chain, you know, and there's a screen with all these, you know, previews. And my 30-second PSA played, and a million people saw this PSA, thanks to NCM and thanks to Keith. And we were trying to get people to, like, years ago understand what was happening.
1: Wow. Well, you. He's
0: been he's been a long time supporter of, our, of
1: our Well, show. that's fantastic, and you pulled the documentary together, which is a phenomenal hour and forty minutes uh, runtime. You know, you've uh, you've had uh, Will Travers, Andrea uh, uh, Crosta, uh, Azad you know, Ibrahim. No, where's he from?
0: In, oh, he he's awesome because Andrea just did that that um, Sea of Shadows. What was it? Sea of Shadows. You know the horrible problem uh, down in uh the in the vasquez with 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 the little dolphins there's like 30 left it's called sea of shadows sea of shadows he was in that andrea's awesome you know what i noticed about my interview with him it was i just wound him up and watched him go he's an italian he's super passionate he uses his hands and he's, he's and then he was in another movie like the ivory game or something. He was super subdued. I'm like, what did they do to Andrea? He's so so <laughs> articulate and passionate. He was this former cop from Italy, but he started his own company where he goes undercover and tries to, you know, stop the bad guys. He goes really deep into the danger. I love Andrea. Duh. And and Azad, Dr. Oz, you know, you know Azad?
1: I don't. Is who he is? I don't know him personally, but I think it's fascinating that you're a freedom fighter for uh, animals in the ecosystem, and the word Azad in Aramaic, Armenian, and Farsi all means freedom.
0: I love Azad. <laughs> he is a huge, beautiful man, like huge soldier of war. You know, he's a ranger, an army ranger, right? So those guys are like seals, but for the army. So they're tough. And he started working with Vetpaw and, and he uh, went into... Tanzania and they were trying to train the Tanzanian Rangers with the same kind of skills that the Rangers might have here in the army and Tanzania got a little flippy flippy and kicked them out and but he, but they still they still go you know you know Vetpa still goes and Azad he's known as Oz he still goes and he's so interesting and so articulate He's some, he's some guy you should interview. So
1: I just love him. Well, maybe you can well, set that well, up at one point. We have Jane Goodall. Yeah.
0: We have Jane Goodall in the movie. Everyone's yeah, like, that,
1: hey, that, that's, that's nobody goodall. important. You know, it's not like anybody <laughs> knows who the hell she is. You know what? You <laughs> okay, no. okay. And she listens to this and curses my existence.
0: No. no. <laughs> Jane is 85. She's not right. going to
1: listen to her. <laughs> I'm teasing I'm anyway. Mm-hmm. I know.
0: But she she's. She suffers no fool. She's, she's been at this... Like, think of a, someone going into the forest mm-hmm. in Tanzania at 26 with no training. No training. Goes into the forest in Tanzania to watch the chimps. Chimps can rip your arm off. Mm-hmm. Chimps are notorious animals. And humans are like chimps and less like bonobos, the lovers the, the, the of, of the, of the a primate world. But chimps, man... She's sitting there. She's never been attacked by a chimp. sits there and watches them. She's the first person to figure out, oh, they use tools. They're digging for termites with a stick down a hole, a termite hole. And that made her world famous. But she was married to a filmmaker, right? So Nat Geo comes and gives them money to make a film. And so Jane is very careful about who she lets, you know, work with her on film because She grew up in this business. Essentially, yeah, she's a great primatologist. She's also a media savvy woman. So I was nervous. And I bring a 12-year-old with me because she loves kids and she has this beautiful Roots and Shoots program. And this 12-year-old girl uh, named Claire Weiss, she, I, my friend loaned her to me. She was not my child. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely little kid. And she's like, Jane, oh, my God, Dr. Fiddle. And completely calmed down the set because what I didn't tell you is, I showed up to my shoot with Jane Goodall, Dr. Goodall, and the cameraman I hired, I never said i on. I've used him a couple times. He was in New York. I was in L.A. He looks like a character from Wayne's World. Do you know what that
1: means? <laughs> yeah, I definitely know what that means.
0: Oh, my God. So I'm with Dr. Jane Goodall and a guy from Wayne's World. Oh.
1: I'm just picturing Dana Carvey in full Garth outfit.
0: No but Dina Carvey, being huge. Like big valley like big burly scary looking dude like won't stand up during the interview. I've never had a cameraman just sit down the entire time while he's working. It was bizarre. And I know she thought it was bizarre. So, you know, it was it was we had a little rocky start. But um, eventually we got oh, we got some great conversation and what Jane really wanted to talk about were the Rangers which I didn't put in the film. I didn't put in... So many people were making films about what the rangers in Africa do. But um, there's this guy named Sean Wilmore that she introduced me to who started this extraordinary group of rangers. And what they do is they give money to the families of the fallen rangers. Why is that important? Because, well, these rangers often have uh, families of eight children, and there's no safety net. There's no social safety net if they get murdered. And they're only making like 300 bucks a month they're very lucky to have a boot and bullets, and let alone a gun, you know. And they're up against guys in Africa who are, you know, international crime cartels who have E47 and night vision goggles. I couldn't even get night vision goggles. You know, you can't even buy those. Wow. You Can't buy them. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, "What do you mean I can't send some night vision goggles to Africa?" They it wouldn't. It's like one of the things American government won't let us export. Civilian. Interesting. Yeah, I know. They to
1: of all the things that we can't export, it's night vision goggles.
0: <laughs> I know. To protect us. Like, like Botswana just decided mm. to let people start coming trophy hunting, and they have a vast number of elephants because it was one of those sanctuary uh, state countries where you couldn't you couldn't trophy hunt. But they also just last week decided to not give their rangers guns.
1: What? That's so the
0: rangers are out in the bush against guys who have guns. How are they going to protect themselves? Right. It makes no sense. It just stinks of corruption and collusion. just gets my blood boiling.
1: Well, the thing I, I tend to use the example of is the lobby over here. You know, our people will sit there and say we pay our representatives and our senators between 175000 and 250000 a year. Well, yes, but if I'm the lobby and I come in with three hundred thousand dollars for four of your votes, who am I really going to be loyal to—the lobby or the you know for four votes or the annual paycheck?
0: Yeah, because you know it's sort of a recent thing, or at least we just recently discovered that our lawmakers are actually bond paid for by corporations. It's very, it's very cynical, yeah. and I don't want people to not. You know, engage in voting and, and government because without the good guys getting involved, we're going to let the bad guys win. So that, we have to keep fighting the good fight. We have to keep saying, well, so what? So what? It's like saying, I don't like uh, rain. So mm. what? You're gonna, It's not your personal rainstorm. Right. You just go out, get wet, and come back and dry off and keep going.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I made the analogy before that people think that they're voting between Superman and Captain America when really it's Lex Luthor and Doctor Doom. But come on, you're so cynical. We got to have a little bit of fun because, yeah, you know, this topic that we're talking about today, Wild Days, which is out on Friday through virtual cinema events, and you have eight just partner for two theaters. Weeks,
0: people just for two weeks. That's it. It's a virtual cinema. It's the first time because of COVID, which is weird. Right? Yes. Like, they gave me the, my theatrical rights back, but the distributor has all the other video-on-demand rights, so they're going to, like, take it and run. And I have no control over what they're going to do, so I can let them us hope they do right. But this next two weeks is for the filmmaker. Wow. And I partnered with eight companies, eight independent theaters in the country, and they get half the ticket money. So, you know, find, find it on, on the Wild Days website, Wild Days the Movie.
1: We're, and a and it's spelled D-A-Z-E.
0: Yeah, wild days, like wildlife is in a day. Like days been confused. I know. It was really uh, an unfortunate decision. But
1: yeah. here we are. Well we do talk quite a bit well, you do talk quite a bit about the ivory trade and the the corruption that goes along with it. Um and these are only African elephants. We had briefly mentioned in, in our pre-interview, uh, the slight difference that I only know between African elephants and Asian elephants is that African elephants have bigger ears. Uh, do they also have bigger tusks? Do, is their ivory a different quality to, to these people? Like what's the deal? Why is it the African elephants are being poached for the ivory, but the Asian elephants don't seem to be as attacked as much.
0: That's a really good question. Uh so I don't know about the quality of the, the tusks. Most of the tusks on the Asian elephants are small or non existent. And African, um, there's two kinds of forest elephants. There's a forest elephant, which is like a, a pinker hued tusk. They lived, mostly lived, past tense, in the, the rainbow. I mean, the rainbow. They lived in the rainforest in the Congo Basin. And those are harder tusks, and those are more prized. Because what Americans did, and this is, yes, the Chinese are the ones fueling the current problem, current destination, but Americans perpetuated slavery, and most people don't know this, because slavery stopped in the 1850s, right? Mm-hmm. But
1: we discovered
0: sheet music, and everybody in the late 1800s had to have a piano, because we didn't have Netflix. And so everybody got a piano ivory keys, and the ivory boom pushed and perpetuated the slave trade. It's all very hush-hush, right? But there's a town in Connecticut called Ivory and you can go to their, you know, museum and see all the pictures. And what happens is every single tusk that came out of the forest, one of these beautiful forest elephants, which is highly endangered now, for every tusk that brought from the forest to the... um, to the edge of the East African waters, it's about a thousand miles, so somebody had to carry it, so it was five slaves. So five Africans died, if you drop one, people just, you know, the slave guys just killed the person, and another slave picked it up, and off they had to walk. Hundreds, if not thousands of miles, these little, these little tusks, these enormous tusks traveled, and, um... It perpetuated slavery. And America did that. And America doesn't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about, hey, look what we did. Well, we're as culpable. We made billiard balls. We made cones. We made sheet music. We made choc-
1: that That's something I was surprised to hear about, that billiard balls were made out of ivory. I, I mean, I know, you know, uh, the the phrase tickling the ivories for piano playing, and I knew that ivory was, was a big part of, of the keys for the pianos. But... Um, why is that so significant in comparison to saying, you know, when we had Mozart's era of, of music and they were using wooden keys? To, is the ivory supposedly making the, key, the piano sound better or just worth more? Because these are ivory, like the way people will argue about, say, you know, this is Italian marble versus this is marble from Syria. It's still marble and still has the same density and mineral structure.
0: Well, I mean, now they use plastic on the on the keys on the piano. Hopefully, I mean, you'll still find old pianos with ivory keys, but it just lasts longer. It's, it's a tusk. You know, what's interesting about tusks and what I did what I learned from making this film is that the Chinese uh, and Jane Goodall says this in my film. The Chinese believe that the uh, tusks fall out and regrow. And why do they think that? Right. Well, it's because the molars of the elephants drop out six times. You know, we lose our teeth once, we lose our teeth six times. And then by the time, but not their tusks. Mm -hmm. Their tusks never fall out. But Mm -hmm. the molars fall out, the littler teeth. And by the time an old elephant reaches 60 years old, they have no teeth. And they slowly starve to death because they have no teeth. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting thing that that myth of the teeth fall out and regrow is a justification for so many Chinese to consume this um,
1: legal ivory. Well, I think she mentioned it in the documentary that because the word for tusk and teeth are the same word in, in uh, it was either Mandarin or Cantonese, that that's why the misconception is that the tusk also falls out and regrows. Yeah, yeah. It was it's,
0: it's so interesting. You know, I was in a year's learning curve. I didn't know anything about Africa, elephants. I mean, we knew we knew about starvation, right? Right. But, well, we don't, what I did learn from you know Gretchen Peters, who studies crime and, and, and studies all about what happens in in Afghanistan with the poppy trade and Africa with the elephant ivory trade, is that the African corruption? There's this um, there's this term called illicit financial flow, and every year it's like 50 billion dollars is illicitly pulled from the continent. So it's pulled from the continent by the people who are running the show, like in various countries. And they take that money and they launder it. They buy maybe an apartment at Trump Towers. Or they put it in a bank in London. But they take it off the continent and you know, for personal enrichment, essentially. Mm-hmm. And this continued, uh, I would to say, pillaging of the continent by their own leaders is, um, is really what keeps Africa impoverished. And and the children don't get to go to free school like we do in America. They go to over 18, they don't get. To. They have to pay, and they have to pay for a uniform. So they're going, you know, usually to like a religiously uh, based school, and they all want them to wear the same uniform. They don't have money to put a uniform on the kids, so they don't go. It's 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 not, and they don't have free speech. You know, they don't like they can't just speak out against their government. They right. They, it's dangerous. Like, I, I interviewed this extraordinary journalist who was an on-camera journalist in Kenya. Brilliant guy who had done an expose on the kingpins of the ivory poaching. And he named names. Went on Kenyan Nairobi News, right? Big guy. You think the guy's afraid? Yeah, he's afraid. He can get, he can get killed. He's an on-camera journalist and he can, his name is Dennis Ansaringo. And Dennis had to interview me in secret behind a gas station in the middle of Nairobi. Wow. Yeah.
1: And what people don't realize is that Dennis could get killed on camera in the middle of a news broadcast. It's not like well, it could I be... Know.
0: I don't know if that's true. I've never, yeah. I've never heard of that happening, no. but it, 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 you can get disappeared. Well, You know, there was this, for, this guy in the forest down in Tanzania, a <laughs> ranger. Super polite. Hardly spoke any English. We walked for an hour and a half before he turned to me and told me about the corruption of wow. who gets advancement inside of the Interior Minister's cabinet and how people, but literally, like he barely criticized them at all, and he said, "Please don't use my name and wash out my face." Mm-hmm. Now I didn't end up using this man in the in the um, the film, but I mean that's that's how scared they are to yeah. even speak out, even the people who run NGOs, right. huge NGOs. They criticize the Kenyan government or the Ugandan government, or they're kicked out. That's it. Your NGO and your home and your life is over. You're gone.
1: <laughs> I I equate this to what's going. What just recently happened in Iran with, uh, yeah, with uh, Zavid uh, Ashrafi, who was killed, uh, a world class wrestler who attended a protest two years ago, and then was tortured and coerced into confessing to a murder, and they hung him the other day. So. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. And then during the protest in 2009, when Iran was on the verge of a, another revolution, a young woman named Netta was shot in the throat. And the war cry became for Netta. And then, of course, Michael Jackson passes away the next day, and everyone forgot about Iran. So these are personal things that I can connect to where, with, you know, my background, to the stories that you're sharing now of what's going on in Tanzania. I know.
0: It's really, you know, the problem with our... But very short like even people are going to maybe listen to part of this interview mm-hmm. they're going to maybe, maybe watch part of my film because it's a hard film to watch at home there's too many distractions I can tell you when it, when it played at a couple of film festivals nobody left the theater I had a 9 year old stand up at the end and turn around and say I loved it I'm like honey how old are you because I'm 9 I mean sometimes a 9 year old can handle this more than a 50 year
1: old because
0: mm-hmm. they're just they're hungry for information and truth Right. And some and some people just like, oh I can't be bothered oh it's too heavy, oh I don't oh, oh I don't process the pain, just hear it. Just and then see if you're moved to do something. Mm-hmm. Because the wildlife needs everybody. And it's not just the wildlife, I mean it's the people that live with the wild. Right. The Baca people in Cameroon are being exploited like crazy by the World Wildlife Fund, by people who these eco guards that go in and beat them for you know, going into the land that Forever, essentially, they were the ones living here, and they just the, the government of Cameroon decided to give it to somebody else. <laughs> okay. it's just
1: maddening. Uh I want to. Well, I want to ask you this: from a let's take the religious perspective, because we're going to talk about science, religion, philosophy through being the you know the ideal of, of the world itself. Um,
0: Isn't your audience gamers? Are they going to go for this?
1: You know what. <laughs> I I created Fanboy Nation as kind of like the United States. You know, California isn't exactly like Texas. Texas isn't exactly like New Jersey. New Jersey isn't exactly like Montana. There's a flavor for everybody, and you know, it can't just be games and and uh, and comic books and MMA and pro wrestling and movies only. You know, that are like science fiction. You gotta ha- you gotta have uh, you gotta mix it up. I think Tommy Lee said it best, and I'm gonna quote the drummer from Motley Crue on this: uh, "You can't always be raging." You know, metal. You know, you have to have a softer side. You can't just be that one raw all the time. You know, it's unrealistic. So we have to be all over the place.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, I like that. I like that there. Were, I didn't mean to like make it sound like I'm putting gamers down or anything. It's just like I just didn't know if
1: if it was the right audience you know, for this conversation. Yeah, I mean yeah.
0: Because film. This film is is strange. It's not. It's not a. You know. Not a mutual of, mutual of Omaha. Look at Africa. You're not seeing, you are too beautiful, but you're also seeing some, some ugly truth about human and what we're doing. And why the hell do you care? I don't know. I'll ask well, it.
1: Okay. Well, do
0: you drink? Do you drink California napa wine? Napa
1: Valley wine. I probably have at some point. Yeah.
0: That water comes from the Congo Basin. <laughs> it travels around. Well, and why does that matter? Well forest elephants in that particular forest propagate 90 species of trees with their dung. They travel around and so do the primates and some of the birds and they travel around. But elephants do it the furthest and the fastest and the, the most effectively. They're like the super gardeners of that forest. And you take those gardeners out and yeah, you got a nice forest, but it browns. You see images from NASA and that's Congo Basin, the world's second largest rainforest, is shrinking, browning with the world. The so you got, from the ground, it looks fine, but you, you go upstairs, you go up in, in, in Earth, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, no. So why would you want to remove the gardeners, the seed dispersal agents of this forest? It, you know, because you need the water. The wa- That's the water table of Africa, and that water travels all over the planet. So why do you care? Because you need to breathe. You need to keep climate to one degree, God willing. You need to keep the forest, especially the rainforest on the planet. And why, and how do they stay, you know, survive? Right. How do they stay alive? The animals that are in it.
1: Right. So well,
0: if you let us a relatively small handful of greedy motherfuckers... <laughs> sorry, can I say that? I'll let you. You let us a small number of human beings do this, and guess what happens? The bad guys win, and you get forest fires all over California, and... Water starts to become scarce, and mass migration starts on planet blue. Like, we have got to stem this tide. This is not just because we like elephants. This is, it, is, it impacts everyone. We have to save nature. We are nature. We're not here to manage nature. We're here as a part of a circle, of a web. And I don't know why are people not going to biology class or something? I don't know. I don't know why they don't get that we're a cog in the wheel. We aren't the wheel.
1: Well, that's something I wanted to ask. You also mentioned gamers and would they be interested in this? Well, you know, if the mineral that we had spoken about earlier – Runs out. There's no. There's no more controllers or or uh, internet or anything else going on in the machines that are run uh, that run these games. So, they kind of need to hear about what's going on with the elephants to get us there.
0: You know, I just had a thought. We could get those tin cans like they did in the fifties with string. We could talk to each other that
1: way. <laughs> That's going to be a long string for the 35 miles we are away from each other.
0: I know. <laughs> But listen, the coal tan that's in those phones is a great conductor. It's a lightweight mineral that's found basically only, mostly, in one part of the world. And that's why these huge rebel groups go in and fight and, and take children and turn them into soldiers and make them enforce their labor, rape the women. It's it's bad. And we're all beneficiaries of this beautiful coal tan that's, you know, getting mined by illegally mined, and they do they do have a conflict mineral program at many of these places like Apple and Intel, but I'm not sure they understand that it's sort of driving the coal tan ramp down underground into a black market. The people that do the coal tan, the miners, right. are often fed on bushmeat. They're often being fed bushmeat, meaning gorilla meat, chips. Endangered wow. animal meat so that they can survive. We Very often, like, for instance, uh, um, a foreign national company will go into Africa and hire maybe 100 guys and drop them in the forest and say, okay, go to work. But they don't give them food. They don't give them money. They don't give them money until the job's done 30 days later. So what are these guys eating? The forest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that's... Exactly. Bad. Right, and then the only thing I can equate it to is the scene in uh, Temple of Doom where they bring in the monkey heads and everyone's eating the brains and everything. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, there's not a lot of vegetarians in Africa.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, I had mentioned if we discussed the religious aspect of it, and then we're going to talk, you know, I'm going to throw in a little conspiracy theory thing in there because – you know, religion – all religions basically say we're custodians of nature. You know, we're the ones that should be taking care of it, not eliminating it. You know, um, where did we go off from being custodians of of nature to uh saying, ah, who cares, we'll pour the toxins in here, it doesn't matter, you know, it's just a river, it's just a lake, it's just whatever, and just push it out. You know, do we blame know. the Industrial Revolution always- for that or do we
0: – I- think it's oversight like i remember going to lake lake erie uh, and lake michigan when i was a kid and there were dead fish all over the place and we're like what the hell what what and you know you're a kid and you go you go to your mother what the heck and and they have to go i don't know and you know your parents maybe graduated high school mine did but you know a lot of working class people don't have a lot of time they keep them busy they keep them really really busy to pay those bills to be in those cog jobs you know so people don't have a lot of time to call their senator and call their congressman and say why, why you know look, look what happened in um, Flint, Michigan. Have right. they cleaned up the water? Even today, like what the hell? It's sort of like like we're all waiting for somebody on a horse to come and save us. Mm-hmm. And it's a myth that's very dangerous. No guy on a white horse is coming. Right. Nobody. Mm-hmm. You are it. I'm sorry. Be the one to have to tell you. There's nobody coming. We're it. Us. And you matter. And you make a difference. And people don't even live like, like their little, little decisions make a difference every single day. Uh, your decision makes a difference. Do you think? You have a, to decide what kind of difference you want to make.
1: Right. Do you think a part of it comes into? Uh, not wanting to be inconvenienced either, you know. It's the okay. So the Chinese are buying up land in Africa. They're uh, they're buying ports. They're buying, um, you they're not buying know,
0: ports, they're stealing ports. They're stealing them because they de- the government defaulted on a loan. Mm-hmm. This, this is just bold-faced corruption,
1: man. Okay, so they're taking so they're taking ports away from from the the nations themselves the from the yeah. Kenyans. Okay, so they're taking ports away from Kenya. Their, uh, you know, farms, mines, whatever else that, that they're stealing, uh, di- diamond fields, etc. Um, you know, there's still the people that sit there and go, oh, you know, and we've heard the story for years about these blood diamonds, but there's still everybody out there that wants that diamond ring. De Beers convinced everybody, hey, it needs to be one quarter of your annual salary to prove that you love some, love someone so much. <laughs>
0: Thank God, I don't
1: like diamonds. Yeah. But I'm Which is you, a great no marketing way. ploy from a, from a marketing standpoint, but from a human standpoint, it's it's got to be awful.
0: You know, there's this thing, they call it debt debt trap diplomacy mm-hmm. with China, and, they, and they've and they been very effective because um, uh, the United States sort of ignored uh, China, uh, African development for a very long time. They give them aid, but, you know, the corrupt leaders get ten times uh, what they get in foreign aid. They get ten times uh, that money from from corrupt means, shall we mm. say, from from exploiting resources and pocketing the money, personally pocketing the money. But you know, China has been very, very strategic in its in, in attempt to take over Africa. And that debt, sorry, can you hear my dog barking? That's okay. <laughs> I, it's called debt, debt trap. And mm. what they do is they get these guys a bunch of money, and the money may or may not go to the you know, end result that this guy borrowed it for. But but, you know, you have a you have you have um you know, the, the 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 what do you call it? The sorry, my dog is doing something where the the deed comes due, right? You have mm-hmm. to come uh you have to come back and say, Look, um you you promised me that diamond mine if you defaulted on this law. And Devalma used to be the breadbasket basket of stuff. Mm-hmm. Nimbabwe was taken over by Mugabe, who ran the country into the ground for 40 years. Robert Mugabe just died, but the country is still, It you know, its money is completely irrelevant. The, the land that they took from the, the white farmers was given to people who don't farm it. It was just given away. It was not given back to the people who had farmed it and made it an effective means to, to the and export. While we now it. So it just it seems to me that it sort of depends on who's running the show. Look what happened to our country. Mm-hmm. What's our national debt now? Who's running the show?
1: We're over a few trillion, yeah. And we've had quite a few of the same people in office for 30-plus to 40-plus years.
0: It's a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I hope more people decide that they matter and that, they can, that they, they can make a difference and they can run for leadership positions and lawmaker positions. Because, you know, most people just, like, throw up their hands mm-hmm. and say, what can I do? I don't What Who am I? Um.
1: You know,
0: it's, a, it's a it's an interesting line to walk. Am I filled with cubist for thinking my little film is going to make a difference and, and galvanize human beings? Probably. But believe me, that thought crossed my mind in the making this movie. It was intimidating. I had to go and meet people who actually are doing the conservation and who have for generations, 30, 40 years, 50 years in Jane Goodall. Um, place. You know, I have to meet them and say, I'm a little late to the party, sorry. Um, could you tell me what you need? Because that's a better question than mm-hmm. here's what I'm going to do for you. Right. You know, there's a guy named Vance Martin I filmed, and he went into Mali, which has been horribly overrun by jihadists mm-hmm. and ISIS. And many parts of Africa, especially northern Africa, really still have to deal with ISIS. And they went in because the jihadists had come to Mali to take their horses. And the jihadists sat down with ISIS. We need these horses, and we need them for this reason, and please don't take our elephants. Because when we have elephants here, we know we're healthy. I mean, it's one of the most sad things about me making this film that I couldn't include this story because this particular group of people aren't poaching the elephants for their tusks. They in Mali, they adore their elephants. They're they're fighting off the jihadists, and because it was colonized by the French, the French army does t- does come in and try and push back on ISIS there. But the point I was making earlier was that he Vance Martin went in there and he said, for two years, what do you guys need? Not hey, I'm the white guy on the white horse to tell you what you need, which very offensive. Like, who would want anyone to come into their community and say, here's what we're going to do? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that anywhere in the world. They want people to come and say, hey, look, I got two hands. I got, you know, strong back or I got some connections. I got some cash, whatever it is. Uh, what do you guys need? How can how can we make this work? They want, they want you know, uh, to me, it's remarkable that you go to Africa and you're a white person, and, and in uh, Swahili, they call you a mazunga. They <laughs> come running up, the little children, mazunga! <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's remarkable that they're not mad at us, like, you know, that they still welcome you. Because look at what's happened to that continent for so many generations. I mean, mm. it's, it's still remarkable.
1: And what does that welcome. word in English mean? From- Mzunga? Yeah.
0: It uh, means white person. Mm Mazunga! I was in the wilds of Uganda. I had to get out. We drove all the way across the country, like 10 hours. And this little boy, I had to make a pit stop, and this little boy comes running up. He's bright, bright, bright eyes and smile. And he's like, Mazunga. And the one thing he knew how to say was, give me money. <laughs> oh,
1: <yeah.
0: laughs> and I gave him a, a really nice, healthy power bar. And he was like, oh, my God. He didn't say, oh, my God. But in his language, he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just adorable. Just, you know, it's so... We're Mm. so rich in this country, you know, we are. I'm not a rich person. I live in a one bedroom apartment, you know, like a rent control. I'm not rich by American standards. Trust me. I made this movie, uh, you know, on my own dime over a long period of time. But Mm. I can tell you, compared to other nations and other people, we have a lot to give. Mm. We have an education. We got educated. In my case, I was very blessed. I got to go to New York University. I got to get a degree. You know, I got, I got to see the world a little bit and they don't, they don't have laptops. They don't, I mean, everybody has a cell phone, which is kind of of remarkable. They send money all around the the town through their cell phone. Mm -hmm. You can go anywhere and get 20 bucks. Honey, I need 20 bucks. You can go into any place and you just send it through your cell phone and everybody's got, you know, a way to move the money, (laughs) which is kind of funny because. The president of Kenya is the guy that runs that that company, that money moving company.
1: So he gets ten percent of every transaction.
0: Ten percent of He's doing okay. His father was Kenyatta was, you know, his father was the uh, the president for like forty years. So you know what I mean. Like they don't have a two party system. At least in America, we have checks and balances. We do have court systems that work. And I'm not saying their court systems don't work, but sometimes a little money, you know we Will get a police officer to look the other way. Like my friend Ophir Rory went into um, the central part of Africa, and he was trying to enforce the laws about bushmeat—eating wild chimps, eating wild gorillas, and trafficking the survivors. And he said, "For three dollars, I know you can, you can, you know, look the other way here." But I'm with a big NGO, and we're going to stop, we're going to stop this problem, and we're going like, to. And he bluffed them essentially. And he got them to give him the baby chimp, whom he named Future. And he rescued this baby chimp. And then he began to work towards rescuing all the wildlife and enforcing existing laws. And this is just an Israeli journalist coming to Africa to do a story about something else. And his life changes and stays in Africa to try and help them.
1: Some people will sit there and say, well, if Africa, you know, if, Countries in Africa don't care about their own people. Why should the rest of the world? That so, that question. So why should the rest of the world?
0: I met the, um, okay, so I'm going to answer this question with a long story. Uh, bear with me because I'm a bit, I'm passionate about this.
1: You're lucky your stories are good, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I met the U.S. ambassador in, 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 in his home, this beautiful home. Osaka, uh when I was there shooting um, about the decimation of this giant park called Kafui and I had this extraordinary moment in the film where I almost burst into tears. There there's so many times when you're filming so these people you just have to like bite your lips and you're like like this guy tells I me mean, how he like skins and eats the heart of an elephant. I'm like oh God, you know, I'm like biting as, as the person behind the camera, I'm like, oh my God, did he just say that? But in in, in Zambia, the, the U.S. Ambassador Eric Schultz said, you know, we our job is to try and convince the government that it is in their best interest to save the wildlife. We show them that an elephant will bring a million dollars worth of photographic safari business, a lion will bring $10 million over his lifetime of safari business. And, and poaching, you know, maybe you're going to get a share from the trophy hunter, you're going to get, uh, you know, a pit like $2,500 that you split, and none of that money ever goes to the locals, no schools are ever built, no health facilities are ever built, and it, it's hard if the Zambian government doesn't want to, you know, save their, save their wildlife, it's, it, it's, it's very, very disheartening, I mean, he, he's the ambassador to the United States, so but mostly, that little boy running up to me in, in Uganda taught me was that people need money. I mean, you need money that you need. Nobody's given me, you know, my dinner. And so everybody on the planet has got to figure out how to survive. And we're all, and it's not like there's not enough resources to go around, but if you've seen over the last 30, 40 years, the resources are all heading upstream, right? It's going to a very small number of people. The middle class has gone away. So it's, it's, it's the distribution of resources on the planet is not equitable. I don't know how to say it in any other way. It's like, are we going to vote for people who are going to give themselves huge tax breaks and then give COVID uh, unemployed people $600 or $1,200 to everybody and say, here you go. And that, you know, <laughs> is that going to be okay? Are we going to get people like that? To, to make our laws and make decisions for us or you know, because in in this country, we actually do have we do have some rights that they don't enjoy in other parts of the world, as you well right. know.
1: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately it seems that we've taken freedom of speech to freedom of complaint.
0: Well that's a really, really, really personal and lovely thing you've just told me. Because if I hear someone complaining mm-hmm. Quickest way to get them to change course is to ask them, do you have a request? (laughs) And they often don't know what it is they want. They just need to vent. Sometimes it's like, no, I just need to vent. And like, okay, I'm going to listen to you like you're going to vent. But mostly it's like, I really need a ride to the library or whatever it is. I really need to get my mother on the phone and she's not talking to me. I don't know what it is. But usually... If you listen in a different way to somebody venting and complaining, they're trying to ask for something and they don't know what it is they want. I what dig it. it. And sometimes they have to take a minute.
1: Right, because no one's asked them what they wanted before,
0: and or cared about the answer. You know, when I meet people at a party, I'm 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 I'm, not, I'm pretty socially awkward. I'm 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 not I'm I'm sort of an introvert. I don't like going to crowded places. But if I do get into a conversation with a stranger, I will ask them. So, if you didn't have to worry about time or money, what would you do with your life? And most of them wouldn't be doing what they're doing.
1: Right.
0: So I didn't ever have money to go into college. I put myself through college. I didn't ever have money to make any film or make any pitch or live this, you know, independent artist life. But most people live like they need the money in order to do the next thing. But it's backwards. They've got it backwards. The passion and the vision is the first thing. And then you figure out how to make it go. It's always been like that. It's always been like that for... For people who want to change the direction, the course of the way things are going, let's let's put it that way. It's like, I don't know, but let's live in that question. Let's live in the question of how do we do it? I don't know. I'm not here to preach to you about how to live. I'm I'm not going to say, you know, give more aid to Africa or let's bring the Army, which is a very American response. Let's figure out what they need. Let's not go there and give them, you know, Jesus. Maybe maybe some people are looking for Jesus, and Catholicism is huge, especially like in Uganda and places like that. But let's see what they really need. Like, I talked to a trophy hunter in my movie, and I really, really enjoyed meeting him. I, he was the most intimidating person I met in my film. You'd think it would be Jane Goodall. No, no, no. It was Pete Swanepoel. And why, why was I so interested in putting a, a trophy hunter in this film? Because so they wanted to hear why they do it and what what their life is like, and Cecil the lion had just been murdered by an American dentist. Remember that?
1: That I do remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It it was like I thought something was going to change. I really like Jimmy Kimmel's crying at, on the late night show, and I thought, oh my god, they're talking about an African trophy hunting on, the, on on Jimmy Kimmel. Maybe, maybe. We can get people's attention on Africa for a minute here, and not you know nothing really changed. But there was such an out where I had to put this trophy hunting aspect in my film, and I I asked Pete uh, so many questions. I had to film him five times. And by the way, finally I had to film film him without a crew and a few beers involved. You know what I mean? Like I really had to like, uh, okay, man, you're on the on the phone, you're one way, and in the room you're another way. Like, dude, tell me what's going on. And essentially, it's like. You know the money doesn't really get to the the trophy hunting money might be 50, 80 grand for a trophy for killing an endangered animal, but the American hunters are 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 brainwashed thinking that money actually does something because it doesn't. The majority of the money stays in the hands of the concessionaire, the person that's um, bringing them there, and the tag the government charges you sort of like our fish and wildlife tag our license Mm -hmm. is is a pit. And it's often the money stays in the city, you know, in the big right. central part of that, you know, government entity. It doesn't get out into the bush. So when he's out in the bush, he'll often say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he'll often say, what do you most need? And they'll, they always say the same thing. What do you think people want most in the
1: bush? I would assume clean water if they're out in the bush.
0: Close medical care. They need medical care. The mothers need to have babies and not have them die. And not have them die. And not have moms die. So there's this weird law in Zambia where if a, a private company like a, a hunting company puts and builds hospitals. The government is obligated to staff it. Very, very far. Hundreds of miles from a city and you know doctors and nurses don't really want to go there. You know, There's nothing there. But they're obligated to put people there, so that is what 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 I learned is that like in some parts of Zambia, for instance, like the fui is very far and not much is around. But it's a vast park that's been poached out. And when the hunters are there, they hire the locals to be guides, and they protect the elephants or the wildlife for certainly say four months of the year. It's accessible, and the rest of the months of the year. It's inaccessible and so hunters don't come and so the poachers just stop being guides and protectors and they turn into the hunters. Mm -hmm. So it's complicated. It depends on where you are. Like photographic safari uh, people are not going way out to Kafui because it's an eight hour drive on a road you'd never believe (laughs) uh, because it's been potholed like crazy by logging companies and nobody fixes it and so it's, it's it's not a gentle safari trip to, say, like the Monte Mare in Kenya. You know, there's certain parts of Africa where mm-hmm. photographic safari can't sustain the conservation of an area. And so, team is worn way. It, it's, it's, it's a corrupt and kind of um, broken model. But it is one thing that they get. They get a, you know, a little
1: hospital. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's play a little conspiracy theory section in this. Uh, we, we had mentioned in our, our pre-interview that, um, in one region that it, the world needs to be 50% for the animals and the other 50% for humanity and that we've, uh, quadrupled in size population wise in the last 100 to 200 years. Um, I had mentioned the Georgia Guidestones brief. Oh, no, 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 oh.
0: On a, little,
1: a, little, a little no it's okay quadruple.
0: it's not quadruple we went from 1 billion in 1800 to 7.7 7 billion
1: so long as you're not insulting me you can call you can call me honey all you want
0: <laughs> I'm like honey honey dude dude whatever <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> which I'm not one of those people that's easily offended so we so we've gone six but times
0: but might think what a bitch yeah. you are so, so rude to him
1: if I say you're cool with me you're cool with me I don't care what anybody else thinks
0: onward. You know, yeah. women have to, have to walk a, a different line than guys. Yeah. We can't just be powerful. We have to be nice, too. That, <laughs> so, I mean,
1: there's a difference between kind and nice, and I think the two are often mistaken for each other.
0: I think that's very well said, actually. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, yeah. yeah. So, there, you can be kind. You know, you know, nice and kind are not the same thing.
0: The Germans would tell you that the Americans are very fake and our kind. <laughs> Are very, you know, protect the family or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like it's all, it's all with strings attached. Everything.
1: Well, that's the world. <laughs> there are very few altrui- There are very few altruistic people in this world.
0: Really? Yeah. I think we should make a. I think we should take a poll because I think if if we live like humans at the core aren't really kind, I think. We're not going to have a very...
1: Oh, no. At the core, we're kind. I just think we're just bitter and jaded.
0: I don't think I'm jaded, <laughs> darling. I really wouldn't have made this film if I were. And I'm, I'm probably older than you. There are uh, lots and lots of opportunities I had living in New York and facing lots of people from around the world and being, you know, encountering. Let's have a look. But you know what? I think you either... Walk around on the planet thinking life is for you, mm-hmm. or life is against you. Right. And I happen to like thinking life is for me. I, I, I really, I really, did I tell you, I love that Carlos Castaneda quote. Did I,
1: Which one I is that one?
0: The one where he says, you know, all roads lead to nowhere, so you better find one. There's something like, we're, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna screw it up. We'll
1: paraphrase it. We'll consider it a paraphrase. Basically,
0: all roads, you know, we're all, we're on the same road. Mm -hmm. And all roads lead to the same place, which is nowhere. So find a route with heart. I dig it. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, really, like, it's, what he's saying is very, Jean Paul Sartre, it's very, life is empty and meaningless, and it's empty and meaningless, that it's empty and meaningless. So bring the meaning. And if you're gonna bring the meaning, Make it mean something fabulous. Right. Like that guy cut me off. Wow. Maybe he just saved me from, you know, being hit by a Mack truck.
1: <laughs> this is true. Yeah. You
0: just don't know, right? right?
1: Instead
0: of like, God, he's such an asshole. Doesn't he know how important I am? I have somewhere to keep.
1: <laughs> I, I just usually get stuck on the freeway, and then the guy changes lanes to pass me, and then we end up in traffic, and I look at him and go, well, you showed me. you would be one car link ahead. <laughs> no. But uh, so, so we've – so, yes,
0: I mean, what you said is very, we never got to the fact that we're actually just human primates. You know, most of us walk around like we're not primates. Um, In fact, we are. In fact, we're very much like chimps, and chimps are fighters. They go in and maraud and take other chimp mothers and females and kill all the babies and move through the forest. I want to be more bonobo. Bonobos are used to be called the the pygmy chimp. And bonobos are a matriarchal uh, leading kind of uh, group of primates. And what they do when they uh, abate conflict is they, they have sex with each other. And I'm not saying let's all just go have sex with each other, but they use love and they use passion and grooming. And they don't, you know, they're not as violent as the chimps. Yes they will kill a monkey. Yes they will they are, you know, omnivores, but I'm not saying they're a perfect species either. But
1: so you, so you're saying go from the Roman model to the uh, Gaul model.
0: I don't know <laughs> Tell me what that means. I don't know what that well, means.
1: because during during Roman times in ancient history uh, if someone was, was killed, they'd not only kill the, the person that they were after, they'd kill the entire family, so there would be no one that would come and seek retribution. Whereas the Gaul, the French, were known as the more, you know, lover base, the, the more seductive people.
0: <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, one, I guess, was controlling human population, wasn't <laughs> it? <laughs> giving us a lot of French people.
1: <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about controlling human population because we had met, we had spoken briefly that we've gone now seven times what we were within the last 100 150 years of the of the human population. 8, eight times. 8 times. Okay.
0: And we're headed up, we're headed up. We're not heading down. Africa's going to double in population by the year 2050. Wow. Will there be room for wildlife? I don't know. I keep looking at Africa, and I go, okay, hold on. I go, what if they didn't have to develop their land the way we do? What if they didn't have to do the same farming techniques that we use and, you know, kill our insects and, you know, exploit the hell out of people in order to get the most possible uh, crop production we possibly can? I, I start thinking about the opportunity I had to meet Howard Buffett. Howard Buffett um, it's Books on farming and farming styles and ways that we can keep the forest and the ecosystems intact and use the land in a way that sustains the soil and keeps, and, you know, so that farmers don't have to keep moving to other areas the soil is Then so We have a lot to learn and we have a lot to share. And, it, you know, a lot of times you go to Africa and it's like, okay, how much are you going to give me? Because they've been trained. By the, you know, the, the aid. Well, let's just give them some aid. They'll handle it. Mm-hmm. Why don't we give them some education? Why don't we give them, you know, Nairobi's a huge hub of uh, tech development. There's a lot of young people surviving on that continent. They, they're they hungry for education, and they want to take their m- brain power and use it and employ it just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so I wanted to play into that with population control. You know, we've made, we've made mention about the Georgia Guidestone saying that no more than half a billion people should I- I exist on this earth. And you know, you hear the conspiracy theorists say that, you know, this pandemic is man-made and that it's, it's driven by an order for population control and to diminish the population itself. Uh, you know other pandemics, uh, you know, or epidemics like like the AIDS crisis in the eighties was an attempt at that as well, uh, things of that sort. So, well, I would
0: say don't listen <laughs> to the conspiracy conspiracy theorists because either they don't know what they're talking about or they don't care that they don't know what they're talking about. Let me tell you, Ebola <laughs> is is a no zoonotic disease that was caused from bats eating fruit and a primate ate the, ate the fallen fruit and then somebody ate that primate and off we go like people are going into parts of the forest where we don't belong and where we don't have an immunity and we're disturbing nature and we're getting SARS and MERS and COVID and Ebola and there's zoonotic diseases and these diseases jump from a non-human to a human and off we go. You know, it's, uh, it's the whole notion that of- AIDS was, was, was a way to kill people. It seems to me a little extreme. And I've, I've heard these arguments and it just, right. I just, I came to take them seriously. It's like they, they're spoken by people who don't want to do the research it's lazy thinking. They don't want to go sit around and, and read 10 books. They don't want to go and talk to scientists, real people who actually have studied this for their entire career. Those people are the ones that I would focus on. Those people know what they're doing. And and there's somebody I would respect and listen to, that we have to listen to people who have an opinion. So what you have an opinion? It doesn't mean anything. You know, it's not right. going to get you anywhere. Everyone has an opinion. Is it grounded in fact? I mean, you can have your own opinion, but you can't have your own fact. Mm.
1: Well, I think uh, Stephen Colbert would be the one to blame for that because, in jest, he created the notion of truthiness, where if I feel it's true, it is true, and I think society took that and ran.
0: Well, I love what you just <laughs> brought up, and I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Well, you're talking to someone who's really into ontology, the the nature of being and the studying of of existence. And I have, I'm not a philosopher and I'm, you know, I've just studied it and read it for a long time. And the the notion of, 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 is it a wave or is it a, is it a point, you know, the notion of what Einstein would talk about, whether the observation of a thing changes it is so astoundingly deep and profound and it's based in his his science—that's much more interesting than talking about whether it's true or not. The notion of what something is true, you know, wasn't true two hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know. We didn't have enough information. I—and this could have sounded stupid—or some, some, somewhat somewhat trite but i just like to live in questions like i don't have any answers dude the more i know the older i get i go God, i don't know anything and there's this whole area of life about i didn't even know i didn't even know that right and most humans are going to defend their position till they're till they're dead like i swear to god we are like we would rather be right about everything than just just be living in some kind of inquiry I'm oh. much more interested in living in that in that way.
1: Well, it sounds like you're a fan of Descartes.
0: I haven't even <laughs> read him very much. I'm just I'm interested in I'm just curious. I'm interested in what what people are doing. That's why I love the opportunity to make films because it's such a privilege to stand there. I have to read their books. and I have to understand and write good questions and conduct a conversation with them in which. Something is revealed that may be fresh or new. But I'll tell you, I am genuinely interested in people, and I'm and I generally like people. And if you don't have that approach in life, you're kind of stuck. I mean, in your job, you must have to share that same quality. Like you, you would hate this gig if you just were like, oh God, I gotta talk. Oh my God oh my God
1: that movie sucks. <laughs> <stop>. <laughs> that, like, that does happen sometimes. I'm not going to lie to you. I gotta talk to who about what Ugh. Right,
0: right. but yeah but then you gotta like press reset and go okay, there's gotta be something interesting about this right. like 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 it's, it's an interesting I don't know if you ever heard this, but if you're at a party mm-hmm. and you ask a guy what he does he'll shut down. But if you ask a guy, where are you from? It's like one of the most neutral things you can ever ask anybody. Mm-hmm. He will relax, and he'll tell you. It's a safe question. So it's an icebreaker. Mm-hmm. Where are you from?
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, is because it's been ingrained in us so long that when someone asks you what what you do, it's it's sizing you up to see how much your earning potential is.
0: Well, I know. Men are so measured by, by such... Uh, evasive things. I mean, money comes up, it goes down, and passes. If people are so superficially, you know, if they're looking at life, whether they've got, you know, a nice, um, manicure or whether they're driving the right car, they're missing the boat. They're missing what's real. They're missing the opportunity to live a free life. Cause you're all, all these, all these external people are telling you, oh, you. You know, mm. do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me now? Look at, I got a sailboat. Mm. Right. Do you love me now? Look at my great house. Am I lovable now? No, dude. You're lovable. Handle that. <laughs> you're loved and you're lovable. And what are you gonna do? What kind of rent are you gonna pay on this planet mm. for being here? What are you gonna give, man? Because that's it. If you're giving something, you don't have your attention on yourself. And it's an old actor trick. If you're if you're on stage and you're worried about whether you're you know looking good in a scene, you're fucking dead. The scene is dead. The whole thing is dead, and they yell cut, and you got to do it again. But if you're an actor and all all cylinders are going, it's because your attention is on what you're trying to convey or get from the other person in the conversation, and that's interesting. And people can't stop. They can't look away.
1: Phyllis, I wanted to ask you this, uh, you know, because this documentary of yours is powerful, and it's exceptionally well made, and it's gorgeous. So it's going to keep our visual attention as well as as our intellectual one. Uh, going into this, sometimes filmmakers, because you me- you had mentioned that documentarians are outsiders, uh, and even in the community themselves, they're outsiders within their own community.
0: It's lonely. <laughs> lonely on my couch. Uh-
1: <laughs> well, sometimes documentarians come in with an agenda to push their agenda, uh, a la Michael Moore. And then sometimes a documentarians come in with an open mind to see where the film will take them. Uh, what was something that you were interested in finding out that you had a preconceived notion about? And what was your mind changed with when all this new information was revealed to you?
0: God, how much do I love you? I could talk to you for hours.
1: Well, good. Yeah,
0: good question. I'm uh, glad. Thank you. Uh, so I interviewed about 100 people. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make this film a lot more like Cartel Land, much more mm, narrative in style, shall we say. Much more like Barunga, where you're caught up in the the fight and then the, you know, the, the riddles come and shit happens and it's much more narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Barunga? I have not oh my God, you have to watch that movie. Okay. So why? Because...
1: Well, you got space on the couch. Just pop in the DVD and invite me over. <laughs> no, just go to Netflix. I'm sure you can get it you know, streamed into your living room. See, your love only well, goes so far. That well, <laughs> guy went with an iPhone, right? Mm-hmm.
0: He went with an iPhone to the Congo to meet um, Emmanuel, the guy that runs the, um, the, um, the, the, the... He's like a British prince. He runs the Virunga National Park where all the gorillas live and where there's all this conflict. And it became something else. And they got caught up by this, this British company, the Petroleum company, trying to go in Viranga and get their hands on the oil. And, you know, it's a National Heritage site. And you can't be doing that stuff. So we got a, fr- a beautiful French 28-year-old girl to wear a wire and go and, you know, be undercover. And they all got caught up. It, all got, it was very much like a scripted narrative movie. And anyway, I couldn't make that kind of movie. Even though I interviewed 100 people, I was like, I couldn't find my my compelling 90-minute story. So I made little stories inside of examples of uh, this happens, you know, this happens with trophy hunting, this happens with bushmeat, this happens with Coltan, this happens with the pygmy people. This happens here and there and there. And I made it it's structured in a way I didn't want to structure it. But I'll tell you, this is my fourth documentary, and they become what they want to become. That's the thing about making a documentary. is like, you have an idea of what you want, and damn it, it just won't go that way. It goes that way. And so you go, you know, you have to be patient and surrender. Go, ugh. Unless you have a huge crew and a huge sum of money, you know, which, you know, I didn't. So I kept trying to have conversations with people and- Go and this film was going to be about poaching, and it became much more clear that it was is a much bigger story, it's much more about all the threats facing wildlife and how it impacts not only these precious beings that we we feel like obligated to just decimate because you know they're less than us, right? Or uh, you know it's about us connecting to our natural world and like getting <laughs> you know we we can't control nature, we are nature, like we are not at the top of some food chain here and. People live their entire lives like they have some kind of arrogant right to go and kill and decimate and steal, and I don't think they do. Anyway, did I answer hmm. your question about what the, what, what? i was most interested in shifting?
1: Well, what shifted? No, I'm listening. I'm asking what shifted, but what did you also learn that you were surprised from your preconceived notion to what changed your your view on it?
0: Well, that's. I don't think I had a lot of preconceived notions. I was I think the most the most disheartening thing was was the Troviani aspect for me was that photographic safari um, money was the way to go and it was it was the way that the gorilla was saved in a, in the, in the Uganda Rwanda area and the Congo area even though they're still getting poached they've bounced up to like 1200 individuals from 300 but you know getting <laughs> fencing off places of nature and taking the people out that know how to care for this nature and have lived there for millennia is the wrong approach. It's what we did in our national parks in America. And it doesn't work. I mean, it it decimates human beings. And, you know, you take the wolves out of an ecosystem and you got too many deer and the, you know, the banks start to fall down and the grasses start to overgrow. I mean, it's a problem. You have to understand that we don't we're just sort of figuring out nature. Like, oh, I guess we need to kind of do controlled burns so that our forest, fire, grass, grasses aren't killing our trees in the West. And we got to figure out how the Native Americans did it. Oh, but we killed all those guys.
1: You think they'd help
0: us? I don't know. Anyway, so what I learned was that you've got to help the people that are living with the wildlife. Like, truly, not just come like some white hero, but come... From a place of like, hey, this is something I'm passionate about. What do you guys think you could use? How can I help get it for you? And how would that help your community? And how you know, like in in the Western Congo, I want to start this program around growing cacao. Cacao is what we get our chocolate from, mm-hmm. and they basically created a kind of cacao in the Ivory Coast that took out all the rainforest. It was just Heat-tolerant cacao that's pretty cheap and lousy, and they use a lot of child labor to grow the cacao, and it's, it's and the farmers get raped and pillaged, and it's not good. But it, it's a crop that can grow in in the canopy of a rainforest, and so the farmers in this part of the world haven't had any education for three decades, so they're pretty they're pretty much just hanging around and having babies and not having a career and not having anything to do with their big brains and their passions and their dreams. So they do have a group called um, Wildlife Works that's in this particular part that gives them money, that they get money from the RED program, RED being R-E-D-D, to sequester the carbon, and they get paid money for not taking out this forest because the world needs to sequester the carbon. And that's working to a greater or lesser degree all over Africa now. But... But but they still need to do something, right? So so i was thinking about doing a project. I'm sort of toying the idea of a project. I'm calling Lady Coco, where I can go and directly impact a particular group. Because listen, Africa's huge. You know, you can put the United States on Africa three times, and I you just have to pick your project and go. Okay, like there's this guy Greg Carr that went to Gorongosa in Mozambique. Gorongosa was uh, decimated by a war. I think it was like 17 years of war in this part of Mozambique and there were no animals left. The only animals surviving basically were the crocodile. And so what Greg did, he was a tech millionaire and I think he invented voicemail or something. And he went to Mozambique and he gave them like $30 million. And said, listen, I want to come and do this in your park and I've got $30 million and will you let me do it? And they did. And, you know, we're not all red car. We're not all loaded but we have ways that we can make a difference. We can go to a particular area and meet a particular person. If someone wants to contact me I can say if you want to go and help enforce laws in Central Africa, here's the guy he can set you up. Or if you want to go and help stop um, elephant poaching here's the guy in Tanzania or here's the guy in Kenya or here's the guy in Uganda that's working on primates depends. Here's the guy who's working on lions. It depends on what you know, what you want to focus on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm going no. on and on. Did no, you hear
1: and your yeah, you did. And do you have all those links in your in your website and everything for for Wild Days?
0: I did put a project page called Impact on um, on the website, and, and basically, I I was kind of flummoxed. I didn't know how to get people to understand what they could do. So I put current campaign and then um, and then I broke it down into particular ways that you can engage, whether you want to work on the cocoa project with us or giraffes or creating peace with humans or primates or the habitat or elephants or predators. You know, it depends on what what really, you know, calls you. I dig and then it. I can point you in a direction and it could be, uh, maybe it's not Africa, maybe it's here at home maybe it's food waste, because food waste is extraordinarily um, difficult it it costs us so much in terms of our carbon footprint and Americans are, there's a guy that I I heard about here in, in Southern California he takes food and distributes it because there was really no mechanism in place for all that waste from grocery stores not strong,
1: you know? Yeah, and by law, you're not allowed to donate leftover food to the to shelters or anything, and it's very strange the way some of these laws ha- have worked out for fear of litigation rather than for helping people. I know we are a society, man. Yeah. Uh, Phyllis, before I let you go, uh, how have your passions changed, uh, and and your uh, value system changed since making Wild Days?
0: I'm probably going to do what most people do is they pitch a show and get a network to give them a licensing fee and they make a film I mean that's the first thing I did I made an ABC show and I got a budget and blah 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 it's much easier and it doesn't um, doesn't take doesn't take so much of your life how did my passion change I'm I'm a little more tired Mm -hmm. than I was seven years ago but I still post every single day on my Facebook page about this. And I still want people, I want to galvanize people. I just, I think, I don't know how to get you to think that you matter. I don't know how to build someone's self-esteem. But I know what helps me build my self-esteem is falling on my face. A lot. I keep thinking, you know, you know you're falling on your face, you try something, you, you forward motion, you know, like just try stuff. And, and don't and don't think you have to know everything before you start. You don't, and you won't, and things will change. And you just, you know, it's really all about, like, confidence and self-esteem, man. It's just, like, find it. Maybe, you know, you, you paddle boat or you learn surfing or whatever, you know, makes you feel a sense of confidence and well-being. And then, you know, map it on to, to giving and contributing. We're not here very long. We aren't just just so upset. People live like they have all the time in the world and somebody else is going to do it. And they are not coming. They are not coming. And I'm not, you know, I'm not 30. If I was 30, I'd be like very fucking afraid. (laughs) Like, shit, look what they did. You should be pissed off. But take that anger and and fuel it into action. You should be very pissed off at what the 67-year-old did and left you with. It's messed up. But do something. Turn it around. We still have time. We just can't sit around on our hands and think somebody and like gripe about it think somebody else should do it because they're not going to. It's you. I'm, I'm sorry. I I'm just get so
1: pissed off. No, I like it.
0: That people get so, so like, uh, laissez faire. We have to do something. <clears throat> you have to do it every day. You know, my, my friend ran. Uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife for the World. He ran and worked there for 30 years. He said, you know, saving the world is an apartheid job. It's not. I mean, once you get engaged in this, you just want to, like, stop <laughs> filmmaking and move to Africa and, and help people. You know, like that guy you were telling me about. What was that guy's name?
1: Oh, uh, Justin Wren. He's a MMA fighter. He used to fight in the UFC and then for Bellator MMA. And, yeah he's his nickname is the big Pygmy. He, um, he goes out there and builds wells for the for the pygmy people out there.
0: Like how hard is it to go and do something like that or just go and hook up with that guy and say, "Hey, man I want to help you come and dig some water well. Can I help? How can I help? Yeah. Where should I, Where should I sign up? You don't have to invent the wheel. There's lots and lots of you know people on the ground doing stuff. Go to my website. I can give you a hundred people to call. Tell me a country. I'll give you five names. Five emails. Go.
1: I love it. It's,
0: you know, like it's not we're not that far apart. It's 24 hours. You 24 hours from now, you can be in Africa. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool.
1: This is true. Yeah. I mean, uh travel times has uh has helped quite a bit. So, and it has evolved over no, the centuries.
0: Arguus, this how ha- your your right. whole clock will be upside down.
1: Right. I'm not but,
0: saying it's a small thing, but not that expensive. Everyone thinks you could stay in Nairobi at the YMCA for 25 bucks a night mm. with breakfast. Yeah, okay, it's not great. It's not luxurious.
1: Right, you're not looking for the Waldorf uh, Astoria. You're not
0: going to get that. Yeah. Not, no, but, you know, if you want to stay at Giraffe Manor for 400 bucks a night, you can get that kind of money together. <laughs> right. <And> then what?
1: <laughs> that's that's great.
0: Go, go rent a car. Drive around. Get a guide. It's not that expensive. Everyone's like, oh, "Why are you thinking this is impossible? Cause these safaris are ridiculous. Yeah. You don't have to go on safaris. Go and find an NGO and help them."
1: And and for those that don't know what NGO stands for, please enlighten them.
0: Oh yeah, it's like a British uh, non-governmental organization. It's it's like a British way of saying charity.
1: Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Phil Stewart. Where can we find you on social media? Give me your website so I can link everybody to it.
0: Wild is the movie. Wild, D A Z E, the movie. dot com. That'll hook you up to all the. Uh, I'm mostly posting on Facebook. Um, and you know, once in a while on Twitter, but you could contact us through that site. Um, there's also a link to Vimeo. You could see our our uh, trailer and a couple other fun things. And then you know, um, this Friday we're gonna. I'd love to hear what you think. Well, hope you like it.
1: I I, mean, I loved film, it. You, just, so
0: you loved it because I did. it's not a film. You go, wow! I really, really loved it. It's more like wow.
1: If I didn't you like know. it, you think I'd spend this much time talking to you? I know. I'm
0: just yeah. <laughs> <years off. laughs> no, it's I'm so okay. Your listeners. Like, if you are still there, if you were
1: boring, it would matter. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. That's yeah. a very nice compliment. <laughs> yeah. If you were boring, you're like I'm going to listen to this lady for an hour and some odd minutes. But no, yeah. Oh
0: my god you that
1: long off the <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's all right no it's fantastic i, I greatly appreciate your time com. w-i-l-d-d-a-z-e for days as in we're living in a hazy uh hazy world Phil, dazed and
0: confused.
1: <laughs> definitely phyllis stewart thank you so much for your time i greatly appreciate everything
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Really nice to meet
1: you. <laughs> nice you so meeting much. you too. And we'll have to get together for lunch or dinner sometime soon since we're both in the Southern it. California area. Thank you so much. You got it. You got my number. Call me anytime. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thanks.
0: Bye. Bye.